Hey guys, thanks for checking out this week's message. At Hope City, we're always so encouraged to hear how God is bringing the hope of Jesus to people through this ministry. If God has used this ministry to bring hope to your life, we'd love to hear about it. To share your story, you can email us at lifechange at hopecityonline.net. Also, if you'd like to support this ministry financially, you can simply text any amount to the number on the screen. It's a safe and secure way to support the work God is doing here at Hope City. Now, let's prepare our hearts for a message out of God's Word. Starting a new series of conversations that will lead us right up through Easter called Unique. Now, about a year and a half ago, my wife started selling a product as part of a multi-level marketing company, and it was makeup. And she wasn't selling this makeup product because she necessarily wanted to get rich or build a business. She was selling this makeup product because she wanted free makeup, and she figured if she could get other people to buy some free makeup, then her makeup would be free, right? And so she recruit other people, get her free makeup, and bail. Well, here we are a year and a half later, and we're putting our service planning and, and series planning together. I'm sitting across the table from Sam, our worship pastor, and I said, you know what we should do? We should do a series about the uniqueness of, of God's creation, about how specifically we are all intricately and uniquely made. And you know what we should call it? We should call it unique, but do like a play on words where it's Y-O-U, unique. That'd be the coolest thing ever. And what I didn't realize was, as unique as I thought that was, I thought that just popped in there. But Samantha, my wife, had been watching all these like tutorials and videos and like how to sell and how to do the makeup and all this stuff in the background. Somehow this name got lodged into the back of my mind and I thought it was a unique name for a series and come to find out it's a flipping makeup company, right? And so they asked me, they said, do you want to keep the name unique? I said, yes, I do. Because if there's one thing men will never do is admit that they're wrong, right? And so I did this on purpose, right? I'll even play into it. We're not here to talk about makeup. We're here to talk about your makeup. Ooh, you like that? See what we did there? Man, that was good, wasn't it? See, planned it on purpose. <laughs> At least that's my story and I'm sticking to it. No, legitimately though, one of the ironic things about the makeup company, Unique, and this is no knock on anybody who sells it. This is no knock on anybody who buys it. Again, my wife has tons of their products, so no knock on anybody. But one of the things that I found ironic in watching all of the tutorials and videos and all the things that go along with it is that their company name is unique, but they specialize in making everybody look the same, right? So like if you're dark, they've got this foundation that will lighten your complexion. If you are really light and pale, they've got this foundation that will darken your complexion they sell this highlighter tool which gives everybody the same kind of cheekbones and and jaw lines and like nose lines they sell they they they, they inadvertently try to make everybody form closer to this standard of beauty that looks the same yet they say that their product is unique right and i often see men and women Teenagers, even kids, make this same mistake. Where they are constantly trying to emulate or live like or parent like or, or, or work out their relationship like or live like or spend like 
everybody else. And they've forgotten that God has uniquely created and designed you. He's given you your passions. He's given you your um, giftings. He's given you your skill set. He's given you your story. He's given you your circumstance. And it's unique from everybody else. And when you try to be like everybody else, you miss out on what God has for you. God's design and desire was to, to create you and knit you and fashion you and form you into doing something in this world that nobody else could do. Now, don't hear me wrong. We, we love to categorize people, right? So we've got these personality tests that say that this group of people are like this and this group of people are like this. Um, we've got introverts and we've got extroverts and then we've got this weird introvert-extrovert combo thing that they've just come out with recently. Um, we've got people who are super shy and very chill and don't do anything. Then we've got ADD and ADHD people, right? We categorize people. So there are people with similarities. But don't mistake your similarity with exact continuity because you need to know that God fashioned and formed you intricately, specifically. He designed you for a specific and tangible purpose and there is no one else on the planet that can do what he created you to do, right? Peter and Paul, great example, right? Jesus called Peter, Jesus called Paul. They were both part of the early church, they were both apostles. They both encountered Jesus and they both went out to establish the early church. This is really similar in their category. But Peter could have never been Paul and Paul could have never been Peter. In fact, they didn't agree on just about everything. They had issues, the way they interpreted things, the way they saw things, the way they understood things. Their backgrounds were different. Peter was a fisherman with no official training. Paul was an expert in the law and had tons of official training. Paul was able to go and reach people outside the Jewish faith because of that training, because he knew what Jews believed. Peter was called to stay where he was at because of how he was raised and what he knew. They were extremely, intricately different. Even though they fell into the same category, they had unique purposes and designs. And anytime we make the mistake, and trust me, we do this all the time, all the time. Anytime we make the mistake of looking at somebody else and trying to emulate their story or their existence, we miss out on the story and the existence that God has specifically for us. Does that make sense? I'm tracking with that? So over the course of the next few weeks, here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about your unique design. We're gonna talk about your unique giftings, your unique circumstances, your unique stories. And my hope and my heart and my prayer is that you'll begin to step into God's specific design for you and step out of the rat race of trying to live and be like everybody else. You know why so many of us feel so unfulfilled in life? It's because we're trying to have what we think that everybody else has. We're, we're trying to attain what we think everybody else has attained. And here's what you need to know. Nobody has attained any of it. It's all a facade. It's all for show. The majority of people on the planet are trying to emulate everybody else on the planet. And very few people have actually stepped into their God-given potential. And so my hope and my heart and my prayer is that you don't make the mistake of trying to measure up to everybody else. Instead, you be who it is that God created you to be and you find fulfillment confidence, joy, and peace right where that's at, even if it's not what you thought you needed or wanted in this life. Now, 
to do that, I want to look at a particular passage of Scripture that's a very, very, very familiar passage. The reality is whether you were raised in church or you weren't raised in church, everybody has heard this story. However, I want to focus in on a part of the story that we don't spend much time talking about. So if you've got your Bibles, I'd love for you to open them up to the book of 1 Kings. 1 Kings. 1 Kings. And we're going to be picking it up in the 17th chapter. 1 Samuel. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 1 Samuel, not 1 Kings. Mike, you're supposed to help me with that. You're supposed, to, you're supposed to help me with that. You're my, you're, you're my armor bearer and my guardrail. You're supposed to help me with that. <laughs> first Samuel, not First Kings. I knew First Kings didn't sound right, so I looked over at Mike. He wasn't doing anything, so I just figured we'd stick with it. And so, <laughs> First Samuel, First Samuel, and we're going to be picking it up in verse 17. Now, this is the story of a young man in the Old Testament named David. Most of us know the story of David, particularly the story that we're going to be focusing on, the story of David and Goliath, right? David was a young man who was out tending his father's sheep, and he was the runt of the family. He wasn't the firstborn. He didn't carry with him the mantle of the family name. He was the runt of the family. So while all the other brothers were trained in war, trained in fighting, trained to be great soldiers and warriors that would ultimately become something for their namesake, David was just put in charge of watching the sheep. Now, I don't know if anybody's ever felt like David before, but I know I've felt like David, where I feel like everybody else is moving forward in life, they're accomplishing their purposes, they're doing all these great things, everybody's proud of what they do, they have a significance in the world, and I'm just out here watching sheep right? I'm out here going through the daily grind. I'm going out and putting in my hours. I'm coming back home. And I just don't feel like I'm making that big of a difference in the world. I don't feel like that, that, that what I'm doing matters all that much. I don't feel like that anybody cares about whether or not I would keep doing or, or completely just walk away from what it is that I'm doing. I don't know if anybody else has ever felt like that, but that's the disposition of David when we pick up the story. Now, David is out watching the sheep and his father calls him in and says, listen, your brothers are at war. Your brothers are off in a battle, and I want you to take some food to your brothers. So now he's a glorified errand boy, right? And so he takes the food, and he goes to the battle lines. And when he arrives at the battle lines, he sees something very specific and very unique. He sees two armies not waging war with one another, but standing on either side of a valley. And one champion from the opposing army, the Philistine army, standing in the middle of the valley. And he's mocking and he's ridiculing and he's calling out the children of Israel. And more importantly, he is emasculating the name of God, right? And the Philistines had wanted to avoid a lot of bloodshed. So they made a suggestion. And the suggestion was instead of us going to war with one another and battling in the traditional sense, we'll send out one challenger. You guys send out one challenger. And whoever wins that battle will be the winner of the battle. And we'll all go home and we'll eat dinner tonight. We won't have to worry about all this bloodshed. Right? Sounds like a pretty good idea. But it sounds like an even better idea when your challenger is nine feet tall, when your challenger is a giant, when your challenger seems to be overwhelming and nobody wants to face your challenger. So David shows up and he hears this challenger Goliath talking and he hears all the threats that he's making. And David is shocked and surprised and he says, why are we sitting here letting him talk like this? Why, why, why has nobody stepped up to defeat him? Why has nobody done anything? And one of his brothers got really, really angry at David and said, you need to keep your mouth shut. You've come to embarrass us. You've come to run your mouth. And you, need to, you don't know nothing about this. And David said, well, I'm going to take care of this. And he realized he wasn't getting anywhere with this sibling rivalry. 
And so he goes off to talk to the king, goes up the hill into the tent to talk to King Saul. I don't know if anybody can relate to sibling rivalry and nobody willing to listen to your position. However, David found himself in, in a little bit of an issue with his brother, so he goes off to talk to somebody in charge. For the record, that's how my kids operate all the time. They argue with each other, they see it's not going anywhere, and they come and talk to me, the person in charge. And then I have to referee whatever it is that's going on. So David shows up to talk to Saul. And Saul had a special place in his heart for David because earlier in his life, David had come and played music for King Saul. He knew King Saul. He had a relationship with King Saul. So he shows up and he presents his case to King Saul on why he feels like he is qualified to go after and defeat this giant. Saul argues with him and tries to talk him out of it and says, you're going to get killed. It's not a smart move. But he realizes that David isn't listening. So finally Saul gives in. And that's where we pick up the, the story in this passage in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 38. When he gives in to David and finally allows him to go to battle with Goliath. It says this, then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around. Because he was not used to them. No, that's important. You may want to underline that or highlight that. Here's why. David didn't have the training that his brothers had. David didn't have the opportunities that his brothers were given. David did not have the skills that his brothers had. And so when he put on all this armor, it felt foreign to him because he had never worn any of it before. David didn't have the life that it looked like everybody else had. David didn't have the experience or the story that it looked like everybody else had. David had a unique disposition. And it looked like it was a disposition to his detriment, right? David said, I can't go in these. I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Took them off. Here's what I want you to know this morning. Some of you have tried really hard to put on the armor, to put on the helmet, to wear the sword, to live like, to look like, to spend like, to love like everybody else. And God's saying to you, that's not your story. That's not your disposition. That's not how I intricately created you. That's not how I intricately formed you and fashioned you. And that's not the circumstances that I allowed you to live. I've created you for something different. And had David walked out with all that armor and he just said, no, I want to be like everybody else. No, I want to do what Saul tells me to do. No, I want to please everybody. I don't want to be unique. I want to be just like the rest of the army. Put all this on me. I want to go to battle like everyone else. He would have very quickly and easily been defeated. When we try to live out someone else's story, we end up doing it to our own detriment because we end up missing out on what God has for us. See, God had a different kind of training going on for David that nobody else saw, nobody else knew, nobody else understood, and wouldn't have made sense to anybody, including David at the time. Let me show you what I'm talking about. When David came to make his case to King Saul just a few verses earlier, these are the words that he spoke in 1 Samuel chapter 17, picking it up in verse 34. David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. Now, for what it's worth, that's not a great lead line. That's not what you pitch with to try to get in on the, on the battle, right? That's like an astrophysicist 
trying to say, man, I, I got all my training when I was working at McDonald's. I worked the register. I did a really, really good job. The manager told me I was doing good. I worked long, extra hours. And so I think I'd make a great astrophysicist. No, you idiot. It's a totally different kind of training. He's, he's showing up to fight this giant. He's showing up to do this, this major task. And his lead line is, dude, I've been watching sheep. So how about that? Right? <laughs> but then he goes on. He says, when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord, oh man, pay attention to this. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. So Saul said, go, may the Lord be with you. His confidence wasn't in looking like everybody else or being like everybody else or having the same background as everybody else. His confidence was in the experience that he had had in his own story with the Lord, right? Now, here's what I want you to recognize and realize. David was out tending sheep. It wasn't glorified. It wasn't seen as a training ground. It was, my dad's gonna kill me if one of these sheep get gone. So I'm gonna do whatever it takes to make sure one of these sheep don't get gone. I'll fight off whatever animal comes my way. It wasn't training to prepare for a battle with Goliath so that you could become well-known in the kingdom of Israel, garner respect and influence, and ultimately become the king. It was just taking care of sheep. That's all it was. And some of you are frustrated right now in your story because you're just taking care of sheep. Some of you are frustrated right now because there are bears attacking and there are lions attacking and nobody else seems to care. Nobody else notices. Philistines attack, everybody pays attention when the Philistines attack the army. Bears and lions attack the sheep, nobody gives a rip. All dad cares about is if you lose a sheep. So you're out there living this life that's not very glamorous, it's not very glorious, you don't feel like anybody notices, you don't feel like anybody cares, and the battles you're fighting seem insignificant to what everybody else is going through. And so you just kind of keep your mouth shut and stay off to the side. But here's what you need to hear this pastor tell you today. The story that you are currently living is not an insignificant story. It's the story that a sovereign God is allowing you to take part in because he is training you, he is preparing you, he is putting you through a process to accomplish his purposes in the world that nobody else can accomplish. It doesn't matter how much armor they have. It doesn't matter how many swords they have. It doesn't matter how much training they have. Your story is unique to God's plans and God's purposes in the world. Don't you ever forget, it doesn't matter whether you feel like you're doing a lot that everybody else can pay attention to or see. You are doing exactly what it is that God wants you to do. And you need to lean into that because God sees you. And God's preparing you. And God has got you right where he wants you. And yes, it's unique. And it's not very glamorous. And it's not very pretty at the moment. But God's working through it. Now, it's important to note that God doesn't cause all of our pain, because people will walk out and misconstrue what I say, that God's got me going through hell right now, and I wish he wouldn't do this to me, and I just, I wish that my life would lighten. I wish God would lighten things up. God doesn't have you going through what you're going through because he's out to get you or punish you. 
God is sovereign, which means that everything that happens, even the brokenness and pain of this world, happens inside the realm and the bounds of his control. He is, he is garnering and carrying authority over it all, meaning he may not have caused your pain, but he's allowing it to happen. And here's why, because God has this uncanny ability to do what you and I don't have the capacity or the ability to do. And that is he can take all things, the good things and the bad things, the difficult things and painful things and the enjoyable and wonderful things in our life. He can take every season that we face and work them together for our good and his purposes in the world. God gives us the capacity and the ability to go through difficult circumstances knowing that he is infusing purpose into our pain. And no matter how painful it may seem and difficult it may seem and unique it may seem, know this, that God is crafting your story for the purpose of playing a part in his story. So many of us try to run away. We try to bail. We try to quit. When things get difficult, we say, well, we tried, we'll go another direction. Well, that didn't work out, I guess I'll go do something else. Because we look at other people and we say, well, that's working for them, that's working for them, that's working for them. I think I'll go live like them. And God says, no, 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 no. don't give up on what I'm doing right here. I'm uniquely telling a story through your life, through your existence, and I'm allowing this to happen in your world because I'm doing something unique in you that I can't or won't do in them. So don't miss out on what it is that I am teaching you, prompting you, leading you, and guiding you through. There's a passage of scripture that we use all the time as followers of Jesus. And most of the time we use it in reference to the sanctity of life for the unborn. And I think that's very, very true because the babies that are inside of mother's wombs are very sacred to the kingdom of God. God has plans and passions and purposes for those babies. But so often when we quote those passages with those contexts in mind, we miss out on the original context. And the original context was this, that God knit you together in your mother's womb. He fashioned you and he formed you, meaning he didn't just throw you in there and say, okay, best of luck. He formed you. He knows how many hairs are on your head before you're born, when you're born, and how many hairs are on your head right now. He knows exactly what's going on in your world. He knows exactly what's going on in your future. He knows exactly what you're dealing with. He has intricately designed you and when you try to step out of God's direction for you and step into God's direction for somebody else you miss out on the purpose that he created you for God knit you together so that you could accomplish his purposes that nobody else could accomplish in the world I hear people asking the question all the time right now who's the next Billy Graham who's the next Billy Graham who's the next let me tell you who the next Billy Graham is nobody because God raised up Billy Graham to be Billy Graham, and there is no other Billy Graham. No, God will raise up somebody else to do something else, but there's never anybody else on the planet that can ever take the role of what God raised up Billy Graham to do. Why? Because Billy Graham was unique. But here's the thing you gotta remember, just because his unique story had a lot of spotlight shining on it and yours doesn't, doesn't mean that you are any less unique than Billy Graham. Now, I tell you all this for two reasons. Two reasons. Number one, to encourage you. Some of you need some encouragement this morning. 
You just need to know that while you're out there and you're tending sheep and you keep getting attacked by bears and lions and you're saying, man, I'm a teenager. One of these days, these things are going to eat me. Like, this is problematic for me. Nobody's paying attention to me. Nobody cares about me. Nobody knows what's going on in my world. Nobody knows how painful things are for me right now. I need you to be encouraged this morning and know that whatever it is that you're facing, whatever it is that you're going through, God is not oblivious to it. In fact, he is intricately weaving it and designing it to become a part of your unique story. And whatever you're doing right now, no matter how mundane or asinine or strange it may feel or seem, know this, God is infusing purpose into it that is unique to you. Don't run from it. Lean into it. Be encouraged that you are doing something that God is doing. Second reason I share all this with you is because I want you to apply this to your circumstances. I want you to apply this to your life. Meaning, I want you to lean in to what's going on right now. So often we shy away and run from what's happening. What if we made the decision, like David, to lean in when the lions attacked and when the bears attacked? I can imagine my response, right? Dad sends me out, watch the sheep. First lion that shows up, nope, I'm done with this. I'm going the other direction. I'm going back home. And I'm going to tell dad he needs to find a professional. He needs to find Steve Irwin or somebody to go out there and wrestle these jokers because I'm not qualified for this. I'm the runt of the litter. I'm the smallest one in the family. I'm the youngest. And you're sending me out there to deal with those things? I don't think so. You can whoop me all you want to, but I'd rather be whooped by you than have that lion bite my head off. And so I'm going to stay right here at the house. You can find somebody else to do it. That's how I would respond. But David didn't. David said, you know what? I'm going to stay right where I'm at. I'm going to fight these battles. I'm going to deal with these struggles. Even while nobody else is paying attention, I'm going to lean in to my circumstances because my circumstances are unique to me. And that means that God is telling a unique story in me. You know, people try to say to me all the time that gets just flat out gets on my nerves. They, they try to, to, to encourage me by sharing with me that I'm not alone right? So what they'll say is, if I'm going through struggle, I'm going through pain, you're not alone. We're all facing it. We're all going through struggles. We're all going through strife. It's going to be okay. And that don't make me feel any better at all. And let me tell you why. Because if I'm in the Pacific Ocean drowning, just because you drop 30 other people to all drown with me doesn't make me feel any better about the situation. The fact that I'm going through pain and difficulty, and you're also going through that same pain and difficulty, doesn't do a thing for me. I want you to not go through pain and difficulty so you can throw me a life raft and I can get out of here. So the idea of, of other people going through it has just never been an encouragement to me. Maybe it's an encouragement to you. You can keep living in la-la land if you want to, but I've never been a big fan of it, right? You are not alone. Well, I wish I was, right? You know what is an encouragement to me though? Big time. Is knowing that what I'm going through isn't meaningless. What I'm going through isn't pointless what I'm going through God is aware of and God in his infinite wisdom has me right where I am and he's telling a unique story in me that's not like anybody else's story listen people can say all they want to that they've gone through the same thing they haven't gone through the same thing they just haven't 
You may have a really, really similar story, but it's not your kid with your kid's personality or your spouse or your financial situation. You didn't get a bill from that specific company for that specific amount. What you are going through right now is unique to you. And while that may sound like bad news on the front end, know this, its uniqueness is actually the very thing which makes it profound and holy because God is telling a unique story in your world right now. And he's asking you and calling you to lean in. And yes, there's pain, and yes, there's difficulty, and yes, there's brokenness, and yes, there's heartache. But if we run from it, rather than leaning into it, then when Goliath comes along and we have the opportunity to step up to the plate, we won't be ready. As long as we keep trying to gather everybody else's armor and everybody else's swords and start doing what everybody else is doing, we'll never gain the confidence that David had. You know what David's number one tool was? It wasn't the sling. It wasn't the stones. It was the confidence in his creator. He walked in and he said, God saved me from this and God saved me from that. And I know for a fact that God's going to save me from him. You don't get that confidence by going and training with the army. You get that confidence by fighting bears and lions in the wilderness. God's telling a unique story through you. Don't run from it. Lean into it. See, 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to this earth and he shed his blood and he died on a cross. And he paid for your mistakes and my mistakes. He paid for your sin and my sin. He paid for all of our brokenness to give us the opportunity to walk hand in hand with a God who created us. And because the veil was torn and because we were given direct access to God, because we have now have the opportunity to walk hand in hand with our creator, we don't have to be upset. We don't have to be discouraged we don't have to be defeated by our circumstances because like David, we're not facing those circumstances alone. We are now walking hand in hand with a creator who infuses purpose into everything we face. Don't you dare run the other direction. You are unique. Lean into your unique story. God has made you, designed you, fashioned your story, fashioned your existence the way that it is for such a time as this. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. God, we love you and we thank you for the way that you infuse purpose into all of our stories and situations and circumstances. We thank you for the opportunity to live out your heart and your character and your purposes in the world. God, I pray that you would give the people in this room boldness, wisdom, clarity, and courage as you remind them of their unique calling in this world. Help them to see that they are intricately designed and intentionally fashioned and that their stories are not surprises, but they're woven into a greater fabric of your story. Help them begin to see and understand what that is, even if they're still in the wilderness. And we're going to give you all the praise for it. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray.